On this first Tuesday of the month, we have for quite a while now set this time aside for a conversation with one of our state senators, Andy Menar, reached out and set this up uh, years ago. And then when he left office, his successor in that seat, State Senator Doris Turner, has continued the tradition and joins us here this afternoon. Senator, always great to talk to you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. You've already been to uh, to vote today on this election day. I was just getting ready to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, you know, my uh, my husband has been experiencing a medical emergency, so we took advantage of the uh, vote by mail, and we also took advantage of the drop boxes. So that was a very safe and reliable opportunity for us to make sure that we uh, cast our vote. And our uh, voice was heard. You know, I've been talking with people that have been out in the precincts and the, uh, you know, the turnout is very low. And we kind of expected that, but it's really pretty disappointing because, you know, municipal elections are those elections that are closest to the people. And I really, you know, there's, you know, three more hours. So I encourage everyone who has not already voted, make sure you go and vote. You know, I, I know um, these uh, off-year elections are officially nonpartisan. Uh, you are not very far removed from the partisan politics game. Uh, what What's the issue here? Why is it so hard to get contested races that might actually uh, churn up some uh, interest in, in some of these? We have so many races where there there's just no competitive race happening you know and and that's unfortunate as well i think a lot some of it has to do with people are just you know in illinois if you turn around two times there's another election so i think sometimes people just get overloaded with it and um you know municipal elections have never been those that have garnered a lot of of you know attraction people Talk about getting involved with presidential elections, but, you know, those are nice, they're sexy, they're fun, but, you know, who's going to represent you on the school board has a bigger impact on your life and the life of your family than, you know, than the president. And we saw that come to fruition with, you know, with uh, COVID and, you know, getting uh, kids back in school. So I, and especially with the township races and the park board races, I, I, uh, you know, we've done everything that we can to get people more more involved. But I think that what we have seen recently is we have seen um, a lot more Democrats, you know, come in and, and throw their hat in the ring. If you look at what's happening this time in Chatham Township and in Ball Township, we you know, we have a lot more Democrats that are on that ballot. And, um, you know, we have competitive two people competitive in the park board and, um, you know, um, Capitol Township. So I think that what you're seeing is that Democrats are becoming much more involved in the municipal races. It raises the question, should we do away with these off-year elections and just have uh, balloting for these races when we do our statewide or our national elections when more people are going to the polls? You know, it is something to to think about. Um and that has been a conversation that has come up in previous years. And we've also had people talk about, you know, maybe voting on uh, on Saturdays and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But, you know, when you think about it, we just had a presidential election that had, you know, probably the largest turnout 
that we've seen in a very in a very long time. So you know everybody's doing their part. We just have to you know we just have to really um, just have to really stay at it. Senator Doris Turner is here with us, and of course, we're now in uh, at least nominally the home stretch of the legislative session after the Easter break. Uh, committees resuming again, and lawmakers will uh, be on a, a fairly fast clip between now and the end of May to resolve a lot of big issues. What do you see as being the dominant issues at the State House over these next two months? You know, I think that what I'm seeing is that there are a number of, of uh, bills that are going to be coming up that have to do with education, you know, and higher education. I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of issues around health care and uh, in involvement, registry, uh, you know, licensure, those kinds of things. And uh, we really are going to see a number of, of things that we're trying to look at how uh, the pandemic has impacted, you know, everybody's life with regard to healthcare, with regard to businesses, with regards to licensure and access. And so I think that you're going to see some uh, legislation that will look to address some of those kinds of things as well. And then, you know, there are some things that last year was a pretty abbreviated session. There were a lot of things that were left on the table. So I think that, you know, a lot of what I'm seeing, too, are things that are coming back around from uh, last year that did not get resolved. You didn't mention ethics. Will there be any drive to tighten up ethics laws to try to put a few more constraints to avoid some of the problems we've seen with with Illinois lawmakers kind of playing fast and loose with the rules in recent years? You know, I think that we have never seen a session where the issue of ethics has not at some point been raised and has not been part of the conversation. I have not seen anything yet that uh, looks to deal with ethics in a, in a large way. That doesn't mean that there's not something, you know, that's, that's going to be bubbling up, but I have not seen anything, but you know how, you know how things happen in the legislature, you know, the last, the last week or so you see a lot of things that you never thought were coming. Uh, the last time you and I talked, we talked some about uh, the prospects for a clean energy bill uh, at, in this session of the General Assembly. There's now several competing pieces of legislation, including one that's getting the backing of some unions. Have you decided yet which one of these bills you are, are most likely to favor? And what are the prospects of getting something done to push us more toward renewable energy and green energy in Illinois? You know, um, I have been involved with... Uh, two or three different conversations around clean energy and that legislation that's coming forward. And it, and it really is a lot to take in and a lot to consider because, you know, on the one hand, um, you're looking at the environment and then, you know, you're also looking at, at jobs and how it affects our local economy and uh, how it affects, you know, workers and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, I'm, I'm really taking a look at all of it. And trying to see, it doesn't mean that I can't support, you know, more than one thing. I know that I have been uh, leaning a lot on Senator Hastings uh, with uh, looking at taking a deeper dive into these things. He has been doing a yeoman's job of, of providing a lot of leadership around clean energy. And I have really been uh, leaning on him and having a lot of conversations with him. And I've also had uh, several conversations with 
with unions uh, on the local level as well as on the statewide level. So, you know, all of that will will come together. And I do, and, you know, I've had conversations as well with uh, local community-based organizations. I've sat down with Faith Coalition for the Common Good and talked with them, and they actually have a Zoom event, uh, I believe, tomorrow night that I'm going to participate in to, you know, kind of look at it from every perspective that there is out there. And But I'm sure that we will have something that will uh, uh, that will come forward that will be able to address these issues. Uh, you know, it's really, oh, it really comes, uh, is impacts Springfield from, you know, the standpoint of, you know, CWLP and everything that's going on out there. So I have a real uh, vested interest in, you know, home, the local community, as well as the district and the state. Uh, CWLP is really concerned about some of these bills, and I, I'm sure you have gotten an, an earful. Uh, are you thinking that you are inclined to support one of these pieces of legislation, whichever one it might be, even if uh, City Water, Light, and Power says it may make it more difficult to keep operating their coal-fired plant? You know, I think that um, CWLP is, is not unique in um in some of the issues that they're facing, they the issues that they're facing are similar to issues that other uh, you know municipalities are are facing as well. But I I feel confident that we will be able to uh, put something together that will be beneficial. I mean, you know, you know how that goes, Jim. Whenever you have a good piece of legislation, not everyone is going to be happy, but everyone will be. Uh, it will benefit everyone. Another major issue at the state house this spring is redistricting, made infinitely more complicated by the fact that we don't have census data right now and may not have it until well past the mandated deadline for putting together maps. So how does this all play out? Will Democrats be able to retain control of this process or are you going to have to play ball with Republicans to put maps together? You know, I think we look at redistricting as number 999,000 thing that Donald Trump screwed up. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I talked about when I was trying to encourage people to complete their census forms was the fact that, you know, redistricting was going to come into play. And, you know, we have a constitutional duty to undergo redistricting every 10 years. And uh, it's all about making sure that communities receive fair and equal representation. And, you know, this year presents a lot of new challenges, including what you brought up about the delay in data. But, um, you know, we will still have the responsibility to enact the fair map. And uh, I think that we'll get there. Uh, it, and, you know, it's worth noting that Illinois is not the only state facing this problem. And we're uh, one of the other things that we are doing is examining what data other states are using to help guide their process and um, you know some of them are relying on population estimates like those included in the american community survey which historically has actually been pretty uh fairly accurate when compared to final census data but um you know the senate redistricting committee reflects a, a really broad racial and geographic diversity of, of the state, and we're focused on inclusion. And part of that process has been, um, you know, about 25 different uh, hearings that are going to be taking place around the state, and that's a real opportunity 
for everyone to participate and, you know, have their have their voice heard. There's actually three of those that I am co-chairman of, and uh, and I've been trying to get that information out as widely as possible for people to participate. Some of them are in-person, some of them are virtual, and then, you know, there's opportunities for hybrid. But then the other thing that we're doing that is, is very new and, you know, I don't think anyone has ever done before is that there's opportunities for people to go in on uh, the website and make comments. And uh, soon there will be another uh, feature added where people can actually go in and kind of play around and, and submit their own uh, idea of what they think a fair map would look like. And is somebody going to actually look at that? I mean, I could sit there and play with a map all day long. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take your word for that. Senator, we're almost of out of time. Course. But before I let you go, uh, in your past role as a Springfield Alderman, you also served on the Sangamon County Board of Health. And I know you were uh, very involved in discussions about trying to make sure that communities of color uh, took advantage of COVID-19 vaccination opportunities, concerned about uh, overcoming reluctance in minority communities to get the vaccine. Uh, how do you assess efforts so far to uh, to make that happen? Are we doing enough to get the vaccine into communities of color, especially here locally? You know, I think locally we're doing a, a fantastic job, and I cannot uh, say kudos enough to the uh, Sangamon County Board of Health and, and the job that they're doing with partnering with the community and community-based organizations and faith-based organizations. You know, there was a... Uh, vaccination event at Union Baptist Church last week, and then there's another one tomorrow at uh, St. John's uh, AME Church. Those are two faith-based organizations, predominantly African-American, that are in the heart of the East Side community. So it's it's available, it's accessible, and then you know we have the uh, the mass vaccination site out at the out at the fairgrounds. So the combination of the mass vaccination site and having these local events actually in the community uh, have been very, very successful. And then the other thing that we've been able to do is we have been able to bring together, uh, you know, community stakeholders, uh, recognizable people in the community that have been very active on social media and other platforms to say, hey, I got the, I got vaccinated, you know, it, it's it's okay and encouraging others to get vaccinated too. You know, it's, it's one thing if, you know, if a physician or, you know, the, the local health department person says you should do this, but when your pastor or your teacher or, you know, your, your best friend from high school says something to you, that, that brings, you know, a little bit more uh, urgency to it. And that's what we have seen happen and I'm very excited about that. The the vaccination that's going to be happening tomorrow is the Johnson and Johnson, and you know that's the that's the one that's the one dose. So I encourage anyone who has not been vaccinated to you know take advantage of that opportunity tomorrow at uh, St. John's AME Church. I know Frank's going to be talking about that more later on this afternoon as well. Senator Doris Turner, sorry to hear that your husband's not been feeling well. Hope he's to feeling better soon, and we will talk to you soon as well. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye.